Hello and welcome back to The Andrew Haynes Show. Today's episode, Andrew sat down with Charlie Hildbold, the founder at Escon Sports Consulting. In his senior year of college, Charlie sat down and sent a letter to every professional sports team in each of the four major leagues. From there, he started his career in sports as an outside salesperson for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Since then, Charlie has had a well-versed career working for several different teams in multiple leagues as a salesman, president, and vice president. We hope you enjoy. Well, we're back for another show. Today, I've got Charlie Hillbold with me. Um, uh, indoor football, minor league sports, experienced general manager, team president. It'll be fun to hear some of these great stories. How's it going, We could Charlie? definitely write books. We could definitely write books. <laughs> How many books do you think you could write? Um, there'd be one on just the personalities that you run into some of the, the crazy owners and, and all that kind of, uh, then there'd be one on just like the, 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 the nature of minor league sports to begin with, you know, um, I can honestly, do you remember the movie semi-pro with Will Ferrell? Oh yeah. I named that one is, of my teams. After is, I, have li- I have lived, I have lived that movie. I mean, I distinctly remember, you know, the whole part of that movie where he's like, we don't have corn dogs if we get 125 points. Like that is the kind of promotion I would, I would, I I have been a part of teams that would have that promotion, but not have the corn dogs to back it up. Done it. I've been there. Like I related so much to that movie because it was such a, it's so they true. Did their research. They did their research. Like, it is, it's 100% true. To generate ticket sales, you would 100% have someone wrestle a bear at halftime. Like, I Absolutely. <laughs> it's, it, is, it is my favorite movie, and I make everyone watch it. Like I would make <laughs> our guys watch it on bus trips. And in 2015, I started a soccer team in Florida, and I called them the Tropics because they were the Flint Tropics in the movie. And it just, our mascot was a black bear named Dewey. Oh, that's and, awesome. <laughs> and now, you know, most, I'd say probably 50, 70% of the people had no clue what the hell it was referencing, but everyone who knows me knew exactly what it was. And that's, that's what made it, that's what made it so excellent. cool. That is excellent. So, so give us a rundown. How'd you get into sports? <clears throat> I realized a long time ago that I'm not good enough to play. any sport any sport at all um despite the fact that i loved it and when i was in school i started as a computer science major and after a semester i was like i don't know how to do this and this is miserable and so i switched to marketing and didn't know what i was talking about but at least was able to generate something from there and saw that there were jobs in sports and i thought well maybe I can do something like that, but there was nothing in my school as far as a sports program, like only one graduate or two graduates had ever gone on to work in sports. There was no alumni basis for it, nothing. Um, and I ended up kind of forging my own path. And then the guy I graduated with actually ended up in sports as well. He's the president of uh, Sporting KC now, like he's moved all nice. the way up to president of an MLS team. Uh, he and I graduated together, but I started and was looking for something to do and I one of my best stories in my senior year I sent a letter and met with my resume to every single major professional sports team in the four leagues uh, asking for a job in their marketing department not knowing at all what that meant like I have a major in marketing I should get a job in marketing 
I got a rejection letter back from every single one of them to my dorm, college dorm room and then I taped them all up on my wall and I kind of used it as motivation to get something down the road. And I heard from someone, got some good advice. If you want to get into sports, get into sales. I don't know how to sell anything. You know, I've worked at Subway and a grocery store my whole life, you know. Um, so I went to a, like a staffing agency and said, I need a job that's kind of in sales. I need to learn how to sell. And they said, okay, we have a job for you. It's working for a charity, trying to generate revenue for them, um, but they're tough. If you don't generate revenue for three straight days, you're fired. I'm like, oh, okay. It's the Muscular Dystrophy Association. We have to get people to come out, come out and like be locked up for oh, yeah, yeah. everything, you know? Um, and I got there and the guy says, we're going to get rid of you in three days if you don't produce. And I'm like, hey, you know. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> it was scary. I made it three months. Um, and by the end of three months, I saw a job posted with the Pirates here in Pittsburgh uh, for outbound sales representative. It was an entry-level part-time ticket sales. We're hiring because the All-Star game is next year. So this is winter 2005. And I got the interview. And I was too nervous to drive to the interview because I grew up in Pittsburgh. My pirates were my favorite team. And I was like, you know, I had my dad drive me down to the interview. I was like, I can't even concentrate on the road. Please drive me to the interview. And so he, I mean, he grew up as a pirate fan. So he's like, can I come in? I'm like, yeah, you can come into the interview. You know, not in the interview room, but you can sit in the lobby. And so he was just fascinated. Like, oh my gosh, we're in the front office of this. I can't believe this. So interview goes great. I get the job. I go back and quit the, the headhunter, you know, the, the that sales job. And I got a job starting with the pirates and learn how to sell tickets and generate revenue for the all-star game because at that point they were the worst team in baseball. So it was a really tough sell. So luckily we had the all-star game to try and boost our sales. And at the end of the year, they said, well, we're not hosting the all-star game next year. So you can either come back as a part-time salesperson or you can move on. And so I chose to move on and I kind of worked my way up from there. Went to account executive with a hockey team and then box office manager with a baseball team. And then, then I got hired into the wonderful world of indoor football and uh, was put in charge of it's a drug, man, <laughs> corporate fulfillment and uh, in-game operations and marketing, which I had never done before. And what team what was your first team? That would be the, uh, the first indoor football. That'd be the Odessa yeah. Roughnecks. That was Tommy, the owner of that then? That was Tommy, the owner of that team. Yep. And okay. so I kind of learned everything I need to do from him, um, but I moved on my One own. Of the best salespeople I've ever met. But yeah, amazing salesperson also has great big picture ideas of oh, what yeah. to do and um, Some crazy I marketing I stuff. Do a lot of stuff there. Like I, I was there for a year and a half. He sold the team after ten months that I was there, um, but I learned a ton in those, that first ten months. And um, yeah, I mean, just so after the Roughnecks, where'd you end up going? I well, Tommy became the commissioner of the indoor football league. When they created that, moved to Richmond, Virginia, and then a guy in Richmond was looking to put a team in, and so he asked who he would hire, and so Tommy said I would hire Charlie to be the GM. So they called me, interviewed me, offered me the job, and I moved from, thankfully moved out of West Texas, was not happy there, um, to Richmond, Virginia, which was close to home, which was great. Yeah. Um, and started the Richmond Revolution. That was 2009. So what's it like? you know, starting, were you there from day one on that startup? Yeah. So what, like, what's the first thing that you had to do was the, did the ownership have any clue what they were doing? No, absolutely <laughs> no idea. So I'll tell you what, that's almost better. 
Oh, it was awesome. Day the hell I could totally come up with everything I wanted to, but the ownership, they were trying to create, uh, the parent company was a company called Sports Quest, and they were trying to create like a, an Olympic training center for the East Coast to rival Colorado Springs. They were going to have a velodrome and a G League basketball team and indoor football and volleyball and soccer and they were going to do a whole bunch of olympic training um, speed skating was a big thing that's the whole reason it started because the owner loved speed skating and he wanted to have speed skaters come and train in richmond but they wanted to have the professional teams to come in and generate some revenue to help fund all the rest of the sports and so the indoor football was the first thing they did and i mean my first day i just kind of got doing what i know how to do you know um, we, we wanted to generate some buzz about it and we called a press conference that we were starting a team, but we didn't do anything else. If anyone knows how to do a team, you do not announce your name, your logo, your coach, your uniform, all in the first week, you know, don't do that, you know, so we slow played it. We just announced the team was coming and we were going to have a name the team contest. And we partnered with a couple of sponsors and then we, I, I think we had 7,000 names generated Damn. Um, and I had it narrowed down to five that I liked and I went from there I went with the one that was most marketable out of those five and uh, Richmond Revolution was definitely it we were able to play off of the whole patriotic theme and you know so we we came up with the name and I got the logo made and we hired a head coach and so we decided to double up on a couple of those we announced the the name, the logo, and the coach on the same day, but we we did it at the church in Richmond where Patrick Henry gave the uh, "Give Me Liberty, Give Me Death" speech. So I stood at that pulpit where he stood, and I had a, our logo and a big banner all rolled up, and we announced the coach, and then we unveiled that thing uh, with our slogan for the year, which was um, "Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Football." And it was perfect. Like it was just everything, it, you know, we were the top story and we were competing against the Richmond Raiders at the time who had launched like a week after us playing in Richmond. Oh, yeah. um, and we, we killed the news cycle. I mean, it was amazing. Then we just started signing Virginia Tech players and UVA players and, and we generated so much. And then when we signed um, the Virginia Tech quarterback, Brian Randall, Dumb. like we sold out. Like it was like everyone wanted to see him. The only better person we could have gotten would have been Michael Vick. Like it wouldn't have been yeah. like he was the second most popular quarterback they've had in 20 years. And Who so was your signed, coach? Steve Criswell. Okay. Steve was uh he was with the special bandits teams and, maybe with us for the bandits yes. or something. He he and I can we connected so well at the beginning. Like I had a two hour dinner with him talking about the job and I'd interviewed a dozen more qualified people, but he and I just sat there talking. And I was like, you know what? Like he doesn't want to be the kind of head coach that like oversees everything. He wants to hire coaches to do it. And he just wants to manage everything. And he's like, I can make you one thing promise. There will be no issues with your team this year. Like I will keep everyone in line and this will be the most polished professional team you've ever seen. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. You know, <laughs> he and I just, I don't know. I just felt really good about him. And it was a, perfect hire he was absolutely the perfect first time head coach and we went 13 and one that year had the best record in the league franchise of the year coach of the year mvp nice. rookie of the year like he we cleaned up and then we yeah. lost in the first round of the playoffs you know there's some good local talent too and 
you have such good colleges around. I remember when Richmond was in the league that I was president of um, before that, and they were stacked. I mean, they mm-hmm. had some Virginia Tech guys. They had Newport they had, News and oh, yeah. the Hampton area. Like, I mean, unbelievable talent. I mean, today it's probably still the most people in the NFL are come from that that little yeah seven five seven area code. That's crazy. What did uh, so? How many seasons were you with the team? Two years. Okay. As I mentioned, we had a parent company. The parent company went bankrupt after the second year and decided to fold up shop. Um, despite the fact that we were profitable, we had 105% capacity um, sold out the first That's year. Awesome. We made a ton of money, but they used it to fund volleyball and soccer and eight outdoor turf fields. And like, and the money just dried up because like who, yeah. I mean, Honestly, who wants an Olympic training center in Richmond, Virginia? You know, like Colorado Springs is awesome. Richmond, they're still in Florida at least or something. (laughs) But um, luckily, you know, the league office was there in the in the city, and so I got laid off. And the next day, I started the league office, and I was in charge of team operations. So I oversaw. I I was there as a a help and assistance to twenty six teams across the league if they had any questions or anything about the operations manual, which I wrote, you know, like I, um, I knew the operation manual through and through for the, the IFL and it was a good job because I was able to really kind of help teams be profitable, you know, and I. How was it working with the teams? I mean, were they receptive? I mean, I know that we. Some teams, yes. Some teams, no, as you know, but the. The most valuable thing I did, I did a survey of every team and it was 30 questions or so, um, but it was largely like, what kind of staff do you have? What are your numbers? All that, you know, just anything we wanted to know about the company. And we kept it all anonymous, but I was able to compile it all into some data that we presented to the league and we got in the league meetings. And it was something that I think is very applicable to the sports business in general. And it, the biggest things we found out that teams that were successful, um, that were generating the revenue they needed to, they were generating it by having the right number of salespeople um, and they were handling their sales in the right order. And I can further explain that, but like, the teams that struggled had one salesperson or no full-time salespeople, you know? And so if you could hire someone for $30,000 to generate 200,000, why wouldn't you? But there were teams that didn't, and they were near the bottom of the list. The teams that were the top had four or five ticket salespeople and they were killing it every year, you know? And when I pointed that out, people were just like, some people were like, that's great. You know, I'm going to go hire someone. And the people there was, I still remember one or two teams like, no, we're doing all right. We don't need to hire anyone else. I'm like, okay. I mean, what do you I'm think? Presenting the, information. Why do you think the mentality is that? I, I've I've struggled with when I was on the league side to get teams to invest properly in. Because there's no generation. owners. Well, I don't say that. There are very very few owners in this sport in this business that started in this business. Right. So they were successful doing something else, and then they bought into a team, and they think they can run it the same way, and they, it's not same you know it's just the cyclical business of 
sports is not mirrored in any other industry that I can see. Um, and that's where the other thing plays into it. The people that were successful, they used the second half of their season to renew everyone when everyone was still excited yeah. about their product. Um, they, the teams that were successful, including our team that we would run, like we handled our renewals. So we, we were finishing our last game as close to 100% renewed as possible. First off, it gave us some good revenue to go yeah. to enter into the and enter the next the, the, the offseason there yeah. when, when you need the money coming in but on top of that it allowed us to spend the whole offseason generating new business yeah growing, you know and it, we wouldn't take vacations the first week after the season was done because that's when our season's starting but like our, our vacations would come a month later you know and it was we know you're tired from the season but we need to generate money now and yeah, got to go strong in that the, offseason. The best teams in the league, the teams that are, there are some that are still in operation today, 10 years later, because they followed that pattern. And the ones that didn't, they were gone within a year. And it's it's so, so simple, but no one listens. <laughs> no, well, and two, a lot of these people that come in, they're Billy Badass, you know, in their other business. They're the big guy in town. And all they're focused on is on the field. And I, on the field's important, but at that level, unfortunately, it's not enough. I've seen teams spend everything to win only to shut down after the season, you know, or not have that sustained growth because all their money's in the coaching, the players, and not in the front office where it needs to be. That's the big myth of minor league sports as compared to major league sports. You do not need to win to be successful. No. And the best years I've had, the best money years we've had, we've been the worst team in the league. And the year I, you know, I've won a championship, like that was the hardest year ever. Like, yeah. like struggling my next to last year. It's so difficult to win a championship, you know, like it's so expensive and so difficult and it's so just, you know, but yeah. when you go three and 11, like, you just sell the experience. Yeah, we suck but on the field, to. but you no know matter. what? It's fun and it yeah. works. You know? but and like, I mean, if you're winning, I mean, it will add to the excitement. But again, I always, you know, prided myself and our clubs on like, hey, listen, people just had a great time. Half of them don't even know who won. Um, you know, they don't just know, the know, score, they don't know who they played. Exactly. Don't know anything except that they had fun. Hundred yeah. percent. And, you know, to me as a business person, Anyone who knows me knows how competitive I am. I'm out of control when it comes to winning and losing, but I, if I don't want to lose money, yep. I, I can tell you that I, I definitely, uh, I, I definitely want to make the business model work. I want to win, but I also don't want to lose money. Yeah. And that's my rationale. But I, I see these guys every year, man, especially the new ones. They come in, it's all about the players, coaches. Spend the money here, there. I want my logo to look like this. I want my uniform to look like this. I want um, the yeah, name to be this. And and I want to do this, 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 this. And it's like, where are your salespeople? Yeah. You know, like, are you doing data collection for the people that submitted names? Why are you not doing a name the team contest? Even if you already have your name picked out, which, spoiler alert, most teams already have their name picked out even when they do the, the name the team. But yep. gives you a list of a thousand people to call to sell tickets to. You know, like, yeah. It's, it gives you instant leads for free. It's, it's a dumb thing not to do it. Even in our current climate, 
I, I think, and I know that you can still sell and bring in revenue, even with all this uncertainty. And I can tell you that because in Fredericksburg with the baseball team, our small staff sold over $300,000 from basically April to June, April, May, and June, three months. We sold 300,000. Um, I, I, something tells me sports take- aren't going away. Yeah. And they're going to come back in 2021. And I feel like most teams should be looking at this as a really great opportunity to get out ahead, low out their, their next season. You know, yeah. like people are going to want the sports back and like, you should be trying to sell them. Now. You know, they don't, you don't have to collect as much money now. No. I mean, if any money you collect now would be great, but like get, get them on locked the in, you yeah. know, like split up the payments with a contingency that says, Hey, you know what? If we don't have a season, then, exactly. then this is a credit for later or whatever. But yeah, I mean, that's what we there's did. There's no reason that a team can't be. Yeah, as I'm sitting here as a free agent right now, like I'm chomping at the bit to like go out and do this. Like either for one team or a whole bunch of teams. Like give me the opportunity to come out here and just set you up for next year. You know? And they, like, and it's they so easy. I am I am pounding some of these teams because I'm like, look, not only not everyone's going to buy right now because of COVID, but you're building a pipeline, you're building relationships and there's a cycle to sell. And, you know, unless you're selling small stuff, they typically aren't, you know, uh, pick up the phone. I just sold a $50,000 deal. I mean, there's a process. So you need to build the pipeline in my opinion for a good, you know, two to three months. And what's going to happen is these teams, I had a team tell me the other day, well, we're, you know, it was in a arena football. Well, uh, we're probably going to wait until January to bring people in. Well, at January, you got maybe what? It starts in two months. Right. And so you don't have the pipeline. You're not in the community. Like all these factors come in and then. Google's coming back either remotely or in person. Teams should be attacking the schools in a month. I mean. Yeah. You got to build those relationships. Kids. I mean, it's so off. There's so many, so many it's, opportunities. It's very frustrating. And like, it's like you being out a free agent right now, it's like you could be a huge asset for a club, whether that's on a contract basis or as an employee. And I think you'd be open to, to both opportunities. 100%. Um, so, and, and likewise with myself, you know, I'm more interested in the contract side than the employment side, but um Teams need help and they can't afford to sit on the sidelines right now. I mean, now is the time they need to be out. They need to be respectful of the situation. And that's partly having experienced people or teaching your people how to approach and, and, you know, figure out if people can be pushed or if people are ready to close or if, Hey, let's follow up in two months. Let's follow up. Um, We're here. So whenever you're ready, we're ready. And you can build a great pipeline, get deals on the books. And you can do it from home. Zoom There's is the no best reason thing. this staff can't be working from home. There's no reason that every staff can't be using their cell phones to, I mean, I know that my phone can connect to an office phone and show yep. as that office number dialing out. So it yep. looks like I'm at the other. Like It's not hard to do. There's no reason that people can't be doing that and setting up interviews and Zoom meetings are like normal now. I mean, I've done a Zoom meeting at least every day, Monday through Friday since probably April. Yep. It's it's easy now. I before that I never hosted one ever. I've been on them, but I've never hosted. I have not sold through it, but I imagine this would be just as easy as 
my sales process is face to face. Yeah. There'd be no reason that I couldn't set up an appointment with a C-level person and say, hey, I need a half hour to talk about the team and, and who you are. Like, let's talk. And they sit there and I can take notes. I short. think it's going mean, to be <laughs> a lot more great. popular because if you think about it, I can now maximize my time. If I'm the CEO. Oh, no driving? I don't have to go to the stadium. I don't have to go to the arena. You don't have to come to me. Um, Wham, bam, we're done and be more efficient. I mean, I think think it increases sales. It's going to increase sales because it's going to increase the ability to make sales, whether or not you're good enough at it. But yeah, I mean, how much time do you spend? Let's say you have five appointments in a week to go sell. A lot of driving. Five hours in the car. Yeah. You know, how many calls can you make in five hours or something? You can probably get, gosh, two or three extra appointments out of that. And yeah. If you're closing 30% of them, then, you know, doing yeah. Zoom calls is making you an extra, you know, whatever, five, ten thousand 10,000 a week. When you were done with the league, um, tell me about the Allen Wranglers. Was that Tommy again? Tommy, Tommy was, was your guy? Show. Tommy, was, well, I was tied to Tommy for quite a while. You got to get Tommy to start another team. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's really happy doing what he's doing right now. He seems really yeah. But – Tommy was the commissioner. I was in charge of team services and the owner of the Wranglers. I mean, you know, this business in January, you're supposed to be at 90% of your revenue for the season, you know, so that you can live off of the season. Well, he was at like 30%, whatever it is. I don't know the number he was at. Let's say his budget was half a million. He was at a hundred thousand when he should have been at 400,000. New owner, first time season. You know, second season there in Allen, first season with him as the owner. And he's like, how can I generate some interest? How can I bring in some money? I got it. I'm going to sign Terrell Owens. And we're going to sell out every game. And we're going to, and we're going to make all of our money by selling out every game. <laughs> and so Tommy in his position as the commissioner goes down to Allen to see them for the first game. And first game with T.O., sold out. I mean, awesome. That's great. They had nothing in place as far as merchandise, no ability to collect names as to who the 5,700 people are that are here so they can contact them again about buying season tickets and coming out again. And there was nothing in place. It was just a mess. Next game, the next week, a thousand less people showed up because he underestimated. He thought that people want to come out and see T.O. play. It was slightly right. He wanted, people wanted to see if he would play. And once they saw that he would play, they're like, okay, I've seen it. And they didn't show up again. They were done. And so he offers Tommy a big contract. Come be my president. Get me out of this hole. And Tommy's like, yeah, but I need to bring people with me. And so we moved, we packed up on the same moving truck, moved down to, to Texas and took over there. Um, and we had to, I mean, the place was on fire. I mean, it was our first game, thousand less people than the game before then a thousand less people. And all of a sudden our third game there, we're looking at 1500 people in the stands when they had 6,000 before. And so we had to figure out how to save sponsorships and how to, how to get any group sales going and any ticket sales and try to renew people for the next year. And it just, it was tough. And at the end of the year, he's like, I'm out. Sorry. I moved you guys here. We're done. And we're like, um, yeah. we're stuck here like what do we do you know like we had two options we could move back to virginia and start a team um we had the opportunity to start a team in hampton roads 
the Hampton Coliseum was like, please come. Rent free, we'll buy a turf for you. Please come and start a team here. We're like, that's actually really attractive knowing the talent base that's there as far as players and everything. But we didn't want to move and we thought it, it was easier to resurrect a or, or revive a dying brand than start a brand new team. And so we used all the, we, you know, we won all the assets for the team for, you know, cause we didn't get paid and all that kind of stuff. And we were able to get the team started. So we were able to generate revenue and we, we used the first bucks we had to put a deposit on a place to get an office. And then the next few dollars that came in, we went to Ikea and got some furniture and got a free phone system set up and started making phone calls, started generating revenue, started bringing in money and, was it just you and Tommy at that point or did you have other No, people? there were three of us. There were three of us. Well, four of us, technically. There was, there was Tommy and me and then the, our other vice president was a guy named Barney Welch who had known Tommy for 10 years or so. And his wife was the uh, office manager. And it was just the four of us showing up every day, like trying to grind this out. And then we grew and brought in some more people and brought in some interns and some interns stuck and some interns didn't. But, you know, one intern in particular, he... It's a, it is a fantastic story. He saw that there was a team, loved football, 19 years old, maybe 20. He was 20. And he wanted a job, so he sent me a text, a tweet, a Facebook message, an email, and called me all within five minutes of each other. <laughs> and I'm like, this kid is driving me insane. Yeah. Like, fine, come in for an interview. He shows up, his hair's all a mess, his tie doesn't fit, it's all, you know, his shirt's untucked. I mean, he was the sloppiest, messiest thing. I'm like, I need help, I need an intern. You're hired. And then he left, we're all like, that kid's not gonna make it a week in this business. And that was our first season. He was there through the championship we won five years later. Wow. He got promoted from intern to office manager to director of ticket sales. And then he left to become the general manager of a team. Like so impressive and then he moved down to florida he's in florida now and was working for the uh xfl the tampa bay team in XFL. Oh, okay oh yeah yeah i met him uh with, with, with john 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 yeah yep yep john amazing kid and i totally underestimated him to begin with because yeah. he was it was the worst interview ever i mean it was just <laughs> like like i could i told him this too like dude you were such a mess and he's like yeah i know i didn't sleep much the night before and it was like i was just a mess and i'm like yeah but he grew up into this polished professional that learned how to run a team. You know, I amazing. met him last year. So, you but, know, definitely. Uh, but, you know, we we lost money the first year. We had no money to fall back on. We were on unemployment starting a professional football team. I do not recommend that. It is. is what's that? We were on unemployment when we started oh. that team. <laughs> I don't recommend that at all. Really bad idea. But, but you know what, though? There's only a few people that can – pull that off. And I, I wouldn't recommend it either. I've, I've, I've been on unemployment, but I've, I've done it with no money. Yeah. And it's a grind and it's hard. Uh -oh. uh, <laughs> we, luckily we were, we, we turned it around over the years and we were able to build something pretty awesome there. And it just kind of, it, it, it ran its course. You know, I left, I left in 2018 when the team was, I left in the middle of the season. It was just time to go and I had to come home and it was, it was time to get away um, you know, with my family. But, you know, when I started that, I was single. By the time I left five years later, I was married with a kid. Like, it just yeah, yeah. It was totally Tough. different. So, was um, Pat Pimmel your head coach down there at all? Because I know he was so down Pat there. Was the, he was the head coach for the Wranglers that okay. first year there. Gotcha. Um, he was T.O.'s head coach. Yeah. yeah. He coached with I me. I forgot about Pat. 
He, he coached uh, my team in St. Louis for half the season when I fired my coach. So, and he had always kind of been around there. I guess he was from there. So, but I remember him telling me he was down. We had there. some really good coaches. Our first head coach for the revolution was Billy Back, who's still coaching. He's up in. Billy doesn't like me, but <laughs> all right. Well, he beat me in the championship. Uh, I want to say it was uh, 2012. Okay. Uh, Florida Tarpons versus Cincinnati. Cincinnati. We hired him right after that. Yeah. He won back to back championships and then we hired him. And, uh, and that was only a one year thing. And we hired someone else and moved on. And then we hired a, the third year, we hired another coach and he lasted three games and we fired him. And then we finally found one that, you know, stuck. How long was Billy there for you? One year. He, one year. uh, oh, the championship game. So our league rules were the home team has to pay for the bus. Of course. So we're the home team. You're generating revenue, of course. Yeah, we're, we're the home team. We were undefeated. So I say, go get bus quotes. Give me three. And so I select the cheapest one. Why would I pick any other one, right? The damn bus breaks down in Macon, <laughs> Georgia. And we almost made it. <laughs> and so he's, they're in Macon, Georgia. Buses broke down. Billy Back calls me up mf and me like it's like i did it um you know <laughs> and it was i'll just never forget it because it was it was funny we're just like oh we're gonna kick i'm gonna kick your ass oh i'm gonna kick your ass but they got there and then they beat our ass on the field um, <laughs> and it, that was that was a rough one he is a great coach he's he, a competitor he, man i I, I do so like that good. he is so good yeah so. No, there's there's some good ones out there but um you know it's just indoor football is like, I don't know how to describe it, but I love it and I hate it at the same time. Yeah. And I wish that like when you got into it, um, when you get into it, eight, so, so I got into it like, you know, four or five years before you, back then it was just so much better. And if you look at say the last five years, last 10 years, it's really just, it's taken such a beating and it's such a great game. Um, but it's just, I, I think I'm probably part of the reason it's gone down. I was league president and, you know, it all comes down to ownership, right? So yep. if I accept the wrong owner into the league, it just devalues it all. And then you got all these people thinking that they can just start their own league and then Every they get all the semi-pro. Yeah, they get the semi-pro. We don't agree with this. We want to split off. And it's just all these different leagues would pop up. And it would it would devalue and cheapen what we had and what was working. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's just got to such a point where, you know, I don't know. I, I think there's some hope. But, um, you know, they, they've got to come together and they've got to get the standards back up. But make it where – the business model works. The thing I've noticed since I joined the baseball side is there's such a huge difference because of the number of games with football. You're typically what seven to 10 games max. In a and season. you're, you're, you're heavily focused on sponsorships. Yeah. Whereas no for baseball, it probably swings more. I mean, 60% of your revenue in football is sponsorships, 20% in season tickets, you know, like, yeah. I think it's not complete 180 for baseball, Pretty but close. it's definitely less than 50%. So I mean, the, ba the tickets 
has to be bigger. I mean, you, you have, yep. well, you have dead games. I mean, no one in their, even major league teams, no one cares about Wednesday night. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like, but if you're fo- faced with minor league 70 home games, find your 34 bests, your half your season, your Friday and Saturday nights and kill it. And you eventually, eventually those will carry over to the weekdays and then it will spread, you know, and it's, but with football, I mean, it's, you are a small business that's open for business eight times a year. You have to have a spectacular game, every game or you're screwed. I mean, it's. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. I mean, imagine now in Texas, you don't have to worry about it, but I was up in St. Louis and we were starting in sometimes February, March. Well, we had a home opener where it was a lot of snow. Oh, we got iced over in Texas our second opening night. I had a $4,000 halftime promotional act come out. Um, it was uh, Rubber Boy, the guy that comes out of the box and oh, everything. Yeah. And, like, no one showed up. We had 5,000 tickets sold, and we had 400 people in the stands because it was 30 degrees and iced over in North Texas. I mean, it was yeah. awful. He's like, he goes, I feel awful taking this money from you, so I'll come back for free later in the year. I'm like, done. Like, I'm right. okay. Like, <laughs> Damn, that's nice. <laughs> but that's, that's the problem with the small season. Um, it, I got into indoor soccer, and then it jumps up. We, we do a little bit more games, but I still think you need to be – for a sport to really have good financial potential, you really need that 20 to 35 games, in my opinion, yep. you know, for a season. Cause then you have a couple that. Minor league hockey play. is a perfect schedule, but yeah. the sport's too expensive. I mean, mm-hmm. like. The ECHL teams, I just, the ones I know are all losing money. Every one of them. And they, I don't know how many times. Because, I've seen because, the because they got to provide, I mean, the player equipment is so much more expensive than. Workers any comp. It's, it's incredible, really- and they all need to make a lot of money. And like, yeah, they're, they're on they're on multi million dollar budgets. Even at the even in you know the ECHL, the SPHL, and, and lower leagues are still in two million dollar budget range, yep. which that's really tough to pull off in small small cities. Yeah. Whereas in indoor football, I mean, in our biggest year, we were four hundred seventy thousand. Yeah which is doable, you know, like if you work enough, work hard enough, like you can make that, especially like, if you've got some bank to start with. So you yeah. don't, you're not playing catch up, you know, but, and that's, you gotta, it's all about hiring the right people. It's all about, hiring. I mean, if you have the wrong people, you're, it doesn't matter how successful you are in other businesses. You're not going to be able to pull it off. Yeah. So you ever think you'll get back into indoor football? If the opportunity presented itself, I mean, if someone had enough at this point at 37 years old and 15 years in this business, I'm not going to be working for $30,000 a year anymore. <laughs> so um, I think, I mean, I, I would take a job if it were offered to me, if it would be enough, you know, cause I have a budget here at home with my family and if we can make yeah. it work, we would do it. If it's a good area, you know, I have a two year old autistic son and we need him to have, a lot of work and a lot of therapy and the right schooling. So I wouldn't, I have to be somewhat picky where I'm at. We're in a good place right here. Pittsburgh's really great for autism. Um, I wouldn't want to put him at a disadvantage because I'm chasing a dream, you know, but if a right opportunity presented itself in the right area and it was good for what he has, then I would totally do it. You know, and that's part of what led me to whole, you know, you've looked at my 
you know, resume, my LinkedIn. Like I had this idea years ago that like, hey, you know, I, I know how to do this. I should do this more on a contract basis. I'll bet you I could help out teams. And when I'm, when you're single, you have these pipe dreams. Like, I could do, totally do this. But like I, you know, a year and a half ago or so, I told my wife, like I had this idea a long time ago that I want to try this. And we were sitting here and I'm working on my master's degree in sports management. And one of the, one of the classes was about creating a business and all that. And I started talking to her and I'm like, what if I started my own consulting business? Like there's tons of them out there, but there's also tons of teams, you know, and if I could find three teams that are looking for a full-time employee, but they'd rather have someone come in and work for them for a little less hours, but get expertise of a full-time person. You know, if I find three teams to pay three grand a month, like I'm set, my family's set, and I don't have to leave. I don't have to take my family away, my son away from the help he's getting, you know? And so it's, I started it, I got you know, the, you know, the idea, I started doing some promotional materials for myself, and then I got a job this, this, this you know, this winter thinking, hey, I got a job. I don't need to work on my own thing you know, and then that was gone in two months. So, you yeah. know, it, it was, but as I'm sitting here now with a lot more free time and thankfully I've, it's given me a chance to be, you know, we had a baby in February, two-year-old, like I can spend time at home here with them and really, you know, help them out. I'm like, you know what? It's time to see if this actually works. You know, like yeah. I, I'll take a full-time job if it presents itself, but sure. maybe I need to, maybe I need to be, my own best salesman right now and find two or three teams that you're like, you know what? I actually do need a little help. I know how to run a construction business. I know how to run a manufacturing business. I don't know how to run a sports business. You know what? Fine. Let me handle it. We'll do zoom calls. I'll show up once a month to help you out, you know, but you don't have to worry about the payroll, the payroll taxes, the insurance, right? All that kind of stuff. Let me take care of this for you. And relocation money anything no yes like i saved them a lot of money you just pay me a flat fee i'll pay the taxes at the end of the year i don't care you know it's not a big deal for me it's there's there's so many organizations out there and it doesn't even necessarily i mean even outside of like professional sports and minor league i mean you know there's there's so many companies in sports and entertainment that do need help and for like someone like yourself or myself where it's like um, you know, we've been in it for a good amount of time. We have a lot of experience. We hustle. So like getting one of us part-time is almost equivalent to you finding somebody full-time is the way I look at that. So if you hired me on part-time to do that kind of thing, like you'd be um, getting a lot of stuff. I mean, like, you know, it would be, but you know, I've used this time off to really kind of better myself. So I'm trying to get, you know, certified and, and, you know, I've done graphic design for 10 or 11 years. So I'm trying to get more certified in doing it so that I can offer really high quality graphic designing services. On right. top of that, I went and got certified in Google ad search and, you know, all the different Google ad platforms because I am fully convinced that I can generate revenue for sports teams and ticket sales by boosting their online presence. You know, oh, yeah. through, through, through social media, but also through Google and getting pages pushed to the top. So I like, you know what, I, I knew this would work. And so I, I found a certification program and I just started doing all the testing and I'm like, you know what, I know how to sell Google ads. Now I know how to program your website so that it 
people are calling you, you know, like yeah. if I love hearing the stories from teams like, Hey, yeah, I got this hundred thousand dollar sponsor because they just called up and said, I want to sponsor you. And I'm like, how, like, no one's ever done that for me, you know? <laughs> yeah. but like, I think it's possible. Absolutely. I think, I think if you have the right advertising running the right, I think just, just like you have to hire people to generate revenue to sell tickets, you need to spend a little money, not on billboards, not on newspaper ads, not on radio ads, trade for that crap. I mean, yeah. it's not going to generate you any money. I mean, it looks good and it's nice to show it to people, but you're not going to sell tickets because of it. But you will sell tickets by running ads on Facebook, by mm -hmm. running ads on LinkedIn, by running ads on Google. Like that will certainly generate you revenue and it's not much. I mean, and so I've, I've kind of thought not only sports teams, I could find local businesses around here. Yeah. That oh, totally yeah. like, hey, I'll generate some revenue for you. You give me 500 bucks a month to run Google ads, like I'll get, I'll bring you in a couple thousand dollars. Like who wouldn't trade 500 bucks for 2000? Yep. I mean, it's, it's a no brainer. So it's. We got to adapt it's there. to the situation. Yeah, and right I, now. I realized that years ago, like when it, that's, when I think about it, we in West Texas, we operate a certain way and it was newspapers, radio ads, billboards, you know, Facebook was still small at that point. It's 2008. I mean, I, you know, I don't even think people had Facebook at that point. If they did, it was small. It might've still been students back then. I remember I got one in college in 2005, but like my parents didn't even know what it was. But when we got to, to Dallas four years later, it was completely different. Like radio ads, no one cared. Like billboards, no one cared. And it was in, we struggled the first year generating revenue because we honestly didn't know how to reach people. Like it was, it was, it had changed completely in four years in Texas. Oh yeah. But by the time we were done, like we knew the importance of spending money online and you know, we, our ticket guy, John, he was, he was great at doing graphics to help us generate revenue. We had a, a communications guy that named Cameron who would generate these videos that we could use to promote games that we used you know, we'd pay a hundred bucks for an ad. Yeah. And I guarantee we made more than a hundred dollars in ticket sales. I mean, that's 10 tickets at 10 bucks yeah. a piece. I mean, it was in the publicity you would get for future games. It's such a no brainer. And I don't know why more teams don't do it, but it was necessary. And it's something that needs to be done now. So it's like, if this is the way that the sports are going now, like I need to get on top of it immediately, you know? So I need to learn that. And so I did. I mean, like, I need well, to get better. What's weird here is uh, the baseball team I was with in, in Virginia, it's like I'm over, I'm the vice president of sales for tickets and partnerships and everything. But we, re we really never had like a meeting with the creative side. So like we're, it, the way I've always done it in the past is you're, you know, marketing and sales needs to be kind of working together so that the yeah. marketing helps push the sales and, and, Round I mean, and round. Our Monday morning meeting, which was supposed <laughs> to be an hour long every Monday morning, and it ended up yeah. being four hours because we would just talk, 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 and come up with ideas. And it was, yeah. you know, oh, it's lunchtime already, you know. So it, it, but it's important. I mean, if your marketing is not promoting the things that the sales team needs and the sales team is not selling the things that the marketing is promoting, then you look disjointed and unprofessional. Yeah. It's definitely different, but I, um, I think they, they need to be combined. So, because there is some great, you mentioned social media. I'm a big, you know, probably since about 2012, 13, that's when we really started getting into the social media marketing. And 
you know, we, I think I spent $2,000 in a season, which isn't a lot, but man, it produced, it was probably my best return. I mean, I, I've always related best, you know, the way my mind thinks as far as the numbers are concerned, and it's the way that I sell best. Because it's, it's almost like selling a sponsorship, you know, like how much, let's say I generate one new client for you. How much is that worth? Well, you know, a new client's worth $5,000. Okay. So if you spend $1,000 with me and I get you five leads, can you close one of them? Yeah. Okay. Well, then you just made five times your investment. I look at a $2,000 marketing budget for Facebook, which is very small, but the, I, I see that in terms of that's one season ticket, maybe two in the cheap seats. You know, like if I do this, can I generate one lead <laughs> to sell to, you know, like if I don't, then we're doing something wrong. Yeah. That should be generating a $2,000 advertising budget for Facebook should be generating 10 times that much in just season tickets alone because that's an easy ticket sale, you know, but I, I don't see it. I don't see teams doing that. I mean, some are, some are on board, some are still yeah. behind because they don't have that person like spearheading it. What yeah. would you say is kind of your specialty? I like to enjoy what I'm doing. I can sell. I've sold hundreds of thousands of dollars. I hate selling. I am an introvert at, at, at really? my nature. Yes. I don't like going out and talking to people, but I get better. I, I've, I've grown way past that and I can sell you anything at this point. I've always enjoyed game operations. That's where I kind of got my start. Um, well, I, yeah, I started ticket sales, but then Tommy hired me on to do game ops and yeah. corporate fulfillment. And I loved, the reason I connected with it is because I used to go to all these pirate games growing up because I could never afford to go to Penguins games and Steelers games were sold out since the seventies, never could go to them. But my parents, my family, we used to go to pirate games all the time and they had a, it was dirt cheap. It was $5 for the adults, a dollar for the kids and $5 for parking. We didn't have a lot growing up, but for 18 bucks, we could go to a pirate game. My right. parents could afford that multiple times. Yeah. And I loved being at the game hearing, I learned early on, Hey, this inning, they're going to do this. So we can look forward to this and we're going to hear this song at this time. And we're going to look forward to this. And I used to look forward to that kind of stuff. And then I realized when I got to Tommy that like, there's a script for all this, you know, like, and I can plan out, you know? So like, I <laughs> loved it. And I had been to so many pirate games that when I was writing my first script in Odessa, I was taking lines that the PA guy would say that I remembered from when I was 10 years old and working it in. And I mean, I have scripts on my computer from 10 years of doing it, and there's still lines in there that I stole from the Pirates in the 80s because I remember hearing them, you know? And I always loved doing that, and it always made me feel like I was at home because I'm like, oh, that line. Right. Um, but planning halftime out and working with the DJ and the video board and planning out games because I, I always took it as a personal thing that if I can do my job well, people are going to enjoy the game, like we talked about. They don't care what the score is, but if they're having fun, they'll come back. And so I always took it kind of personally that like, you know what, our staff worked really hard to bring in these people, but they're not gonna come back unless I do my job well. And so I took it very seriously and I loved every second of it. Like I, even when I was the team president for five years, 
I was still down on the field with a headphone headphones on gender, you know, I slowly gave away that, that ability because I knew I needed to be in the stands shaking hands and everything, but I still went down and ran halftime every single game. I was like, I'm not letting halftime get messed up by anyone. I can trust anyone other than myself. And I had the best like red hat. He was awesome. He was awesome. 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 And I still wouldn't let him do halftime. <laughs> like I would go down there in my suit, throw on the headset and run halftime. And then like, okay, go, I'm gone. You know, and he would, yeah. he would take me to the press, but like, I just, I could not give that up. Like it was just fun for me, you know? Um, that's where I, I really enjoyed myself. But yeah, I mean, when you're the president though, like I became do everything. Yeah. game ops. I know how to run every ticket service known to man. I know how to, program a website. I know how to do social media. I can do your corporate fulfillment. I can sell corporate and tickets. Um, I even, you know, we had a, our office manager quit halfway through the year. I, I taught myself QuickBooks and I became an accounting professional and I learned how to do our books until we hired someone else, which helped because then I could actually manage our money better. Yeah. And, you know, I uncovered why we were struggling the first year when she was our office manager we, I'll, for, I'll never forget the day. We had one day where we were waiting on a check to show up and we'd already paid out some checks and we knew they were going to bounce. Like first year, the money was just, we were floating checks and it just is not going to happen. And the check didn't show up. We're like, well, you know what? Like these checks are going to bounce tomorrow. Let's deal with it when it happens. You know, she had told us that she was an accounting professional. She had, she wasn't. She learned what she learned from YouTube before her interview and lied about it. Like, you're not kidding. She quits, but the day that we we got those those bounced, you know, you get a $25 NSF fee or whatever it was. Make America charge those. Yeah. And I think we had six checks that bounced. It was like 100 and 150 bucks. Not much. You know, we got our check in the next day. We paid out everything. We took care of everyone. No harm, no harm, no foul. She didn't record the, the, the fees in there. And so we, you know, we were 150 short in our bank account, but we didn't realize we were 150 short, you know? And so a couple weeks later, um, hey, we have how much in the bank? Oh, we have 6,000 in the bank. Great. I need to send a check for $5,900. So it's going to clear. Yep. It's good. Well, technically it's not. We're 150 short. So that would bounce. And we get another fee. She wouldn't put it in. By the time she quit, we had over $4,000 in fees. Shit. And we could not figure out why stuff kept bouncing and kept stuff, you know, this is our first year. We kept losing all this money and we're like, what is going on? Like, we are smart guys, you know, like we can figure this out. And I'm sitting there thinking like, I do numbers. How can I not figure out why I can? And so I took like a whole week and I, you know, once she left, I stayed there all night and I went over the books and I found that she wasn't putting any of those fees in. When I reconciled all that and cleaned it up, like we didn't, it never happened again. You know, yeah. like it was like, we never had that problem again. It was just like, it was unbelievable. And it was, you know, that was a, something you learned your first year owning a team and running it and trusting other people with it. And, you know, yeah. if I'd been doing it, I would have been putting it in there, but we trusted someone, we hired someone new and got screwed for it. You know, it's one just, area I learned the hard way. But now I know QuickBooks. Now yeah. I can do accounting, <laughs> you know, exactly. It's better that way. Yep. So what, uh, you got a website for your, um, consulting. I do. I do. Um, so the name of the company is Escon Consulting. Escon is E-S-C-O-N. Um, and it's esconsports.com. Okay. So, yeah. It's Escon is essentially short for sports consulting. 
So I just kind of spelled it out, Escon, E-S-C-O-N sports.com. And I uh, got the website launched and hoping to find some teams that want to get a jump start on 2021. Well, we'll help promote it out there to our yep. network and, uh, you know, hope to get you back out there in the field soon, you know. Um, I can you tell know, you I someone's going to get a, good, a pretty good employee when they bring me on. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you get my whole family, too, because they're chomping at the bit to right. get me out of the house a little bit. Now, so. <laughs> Just get rid of him, please. <laughs> uh, no, we'll, I'll add your uh, – uh, website on there too so people can check it out and awesome um, let's let's keep in touch man I want to see where you land of course of course you too so thanks again yep you got it hey podcast fans thank you thank you thank you for listening to today's episode of the Andrew Haynes show if you enjoyed it be sure to let Andrew know on LinkedIn have a great week <laughs>